What the fuck is up, world? Biali, Tlaltik Pak. We back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another grito. Sea dicho. Coming about three fucking weeks, dog, since my last podcast. For those of you that are fucking listening along, just know that I appreciate the fuck out of it. And that I also apologize for taking so long, yo. It's just, you know, it is what it is, homie. It just, it is what it is, right? Obviously, your boy is still dealing with the fallout of the death of my brother. And, uh, you know, sometimes I just don't got the energy to do these motherfuckers. But thankfully, I forced myself, I sat myself the fuck down and forced myself to read some existential philosophy in general. And I'll talk about the particulars here shortly because it's just not a place to live, bro. It's not a fucking, you know, it's just not a place that I want to be living, Okay. For a variety of reasons that I'll discuss here shortly, but the point is not to start off on a fucking downer note. It's actually the quite opposite, okay? Um, in fact, part of the reason why it had taken me so long to podcast again is because I didn't want to come on here and just be some fucking sad boy type shit. You know what I mean? Like fucking doling you to death with the fuck. You got your own shit going on, homie. You don't need me fucking compounding onto it with the shit that I got going on too. Like I share it because it fucking influences the philosophy, obviously. You know what I mean? But uh, my intention is never to fucking unload my problems, unload my fucking low vibing ass on you because i it's not your fucking responsibility to carry that weight you know what i'm saying i appreciate the fuck out of it for those of you who still reach out and fucking voice your support you know what i mean i appreciate the fuck out of it don't get me twisted but what i'm saying is at the end of the day a podcast is meant at least in my perspective to be entertaining and you know where i was a couple of weeks ago is not wasn't very a very i wasn't going to come from an entertaining place you know what i mean i was going to come from a very low vibrating place and i didn't want that to be the fucking i didn't want that to be the, the, the energy of the podcast you know what i mean the shit that I talk about is fucking low vibe, not low vibing. It's just, it's real life shit. You know what I mean? So it's heavy enough and you don't need, I, I didn't want to fucking drop that heavy shit from a low vibing place. So I was like, you know what, dog? I got to take a break and just fucking allow myself to fucking be filtered through the sacred plaza loli. You know what I mean? The fucking, the, the, the sacred filth goddess, uh, allow her to fucking cleanse me, if you will, so I can be recycled back up to the higher order of the spectrum. And hopefully come back with some fucking, you know, just with some fresh energy to drop this fucking podcast. You know what I mean? And for all intents and purposes, that's where I feel today. I'm actually, you know, coming off the heels of this podcast itself is coming off the heels of the fucking slap heard around the world. You know what I mean? The Fresh Prince bitch slapping Chris Rock. So um, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of there's a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, happiness, I guess you could say. I don't want to say happiness, but there's a lot of fucking silliness in my energy right now because of how fucking amazing the ensuing memes have been in the fallout of that fucking bitch slap heard around the world. You know what I mean? So that's definitely helped, you know, uh, elevate my spirits a little bit, but also it's the existential philosophy that I'm discussing today. In, in all honesty, it took me about a week to prepare this podcast because as I was sitting down to read it uh, and start to prepare for it and then write it, I would have to take breaks, bro, because this shit is, like I said, it's fucking heavy. You know what I mean? So it wasn't just something that I could fucking sit down and pound out like usually like in one fucking day. You know what I mean? It was something that I had to sit with, work with, and all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? So uh, there's a lot of... Uh, the point I'm not trying to say about that is that it comes from a place, this particular podcast, I think of both joy and sorrow, which for me, personally, as long as it's delivered from a you know a good vibration, I think is a perfect, it's a perfect mix. You know what I mean? So I felt compelled today to say, you know what, dog? Fuck it. Let's do this shit. We might still... I might, you know, like, like I said, I'm still dealing with the fallout of my brother, dog. And that shit, it, obviously, man, it has not been easy, Okay. But uh, I'm trying, I'm trying slowly but surely to get, you know, to get by every day because there's just, honestly, there's no other option, bro. You know, I mean, I could, of course, I could, I could, of course, do exactly as I've been doing 
and just lay around and either sleep or do fucking absolutely nothing more than, you know, veg out on my phone or watching movies and shit. You know what I mean? But honestly, that's not really an option, bro. Not so much in the sense that it isn't something I will allow myself to do because obviously I do that shit sometimes. You know what I mean? But rather in the sense that doing so isn't going to fucking magically make the situation I'm living through fucking just disappear, homie. It's not going to make the situation you're living through just magically disappear. You know what I mean? Pain is a good thing. How does that country song talking about rain, right? Just flip it up a little bit and say, where I come from, pain is a good thing, right? Why? Because, you know, it lets you know, dog, there's some shit there that you need to address because it's this shit here that's keeping you from fucking, you know, not feeling the pain. And you can heal that pain and fucking continue along with your life, become stronger because of it. Or you can just sit there and neglect that shit and let it fucking fester and continue untended to. In which case, you know, it'll, you're, you're never going to be free from it, which is going to be the point from today's, uh, one of the points, I should say, for today's episode, right? So, uh, yeah, I guess the, the basic gist of that, actually, before I get to the basic gist, let's get the formalities all out the way. If you haven't already, follow your boy, OG. Uh, underscore ice nice 13 on the gram and something along the same fucking lands uh, on the other socials right um so yeah let's just get into it dog the point being is that that's just life homie okay that's life more music for you all right it's fucked up in all of its beauty it's fucked up and it's beautiful all wrapped up into one dog and honestly sometimes i feel like a prisoner right I, I, i'm just gonna be honest with you i'm shooting this shit honestly to you this is me dealing with the death of my with the death of my brother you know what i mean which is actually going to be the anniversary, the seventh month anniversary tomorrow, right? So it's very, very fresh in my mind, okay? And also when I was creating this fucking podcast. So it feels like I'm a prisoner sometimes, bro, right? Uh, it, it, it feels like I'm a prisoner in the sense that, you know, I've seen a loved one who's been released for prison, right? And then, which I'm happy for them. I'm happy, like, good, you're released from prison. Like, I hope you go off and you live your life, like, in the most fucking joyous and positive way possible. But at the same time, like I'm sitting there and I'm just myself simply waiting out the days until it's my turn to do the same. You know what I mean? Like I'm stuck in this fucking prison being held down, but in a maximum security prison and I can't fucking leave to join my fucking brother yet. You know what I mean? Uh, And, you know, sometimes I get really sad thinking about how much longer I'll have to wait, given, you know, just the general lifespan of Americans in general. And especially my family history. My, you know, my brother was, was the anomaly, bro. I got a fucking grandfather. My grandfather, he's about to turn 90, like in two weeks, three weeks. You know what I mean? My grandmother's saying she's about to turn 80 here short in a couple, like in two years or so. You know what I mean? So quite the anomaly for my brother to fucking pass away at 34. You know what I mean? But then I start thinking about it some more, bro. And then I remember that neither of those, they're realistically, they're not relevant measures. You know what I mean? Obviously, given my brother's situation, you know what I mean? But um, the point that I'm trying to say is they're not relevant in the sense that <laughs> how long I can expect to live, then, you know, it, it, it's, it's a matter of chance, bro. This is some shit that can happen to anybody. Just because your family history is motherfuckers living up until their 90s and shit and beyond don't mean that that's going to be the case for you. And it's definitely not the case for me. Like, I can only hope to. There's the great saying that tells us, you know, uh, old age is a, is a luxury afforded to very few, Right. But, uh, you know, when I get in my really fucking, you know, most macabre and depressed or, you know, sickness of spirit, okay, I start to think to myself, like, that's, that, that, I could fucking be gone next week, yo, I, yo, yo, you know what I mean? Um, and it's, it's just, it's not trying to be fucking low vibing, it's just the honest truth, like the, 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 the reality of the situation, if you will, just fucking from an existential perspective, understanding how even in its fucking most difficult phases, life is still a gift, it's a gift that's given to us, right? 
how does that old saying go? That's why it's considered, that's why it's called the present. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anyways, um, the basic idea here is that this fades away quickly, right? Because as much as I love and I miss my brother, and, you know, as much as I'm looking forward to seeing him again, being reunited with him in the fucking Mictlan, uh, or at the very least, at the very least, no longer having to live with the pain of his passing because, you know, I'll be fucking dead and I won't be living through shit, right? I recognize that this attitude, it shits on my brother's legacy, bro. And, you know, I try to put shit back in order because of that, okay? And what I mean by that is that my brother, bro, like, honestly, I'm just going to keep talking to him about, I'll talk about him for the rest of my life, okay? So if you're fucking fed up with hearing about it, I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry, not sorry. But, um, yeah, dog, like, he loved life. He really did. And when I think about it, I, I, I realized to myself that not only would he be very disappointed to know that, you know, I'm not enjoying life right now because he's gone. But more importantly, it's it's a straight diss to the fact that someone, you know, who did love life so much had it taken away from them so early. While someone who, you know, like myself, as, you know, with the fucking just the present right now, the gift of the present right now is lamenting the privilege of still being alive. You know what I mean? And that someone like that gets to continue on living while someone like my brother who fucking loved life does it? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a sneak diss in a way, bro. And uh, I guess in a way, this is part and parcel of that whole guilt shit and existential philosophy, right? For those of us who have, never, you know, who've done a formal study, we know that of, of existentialism. We know that, you know, shit like guilt, dread, anxiety, angst, all this kind of shit, right? All these human emotions, bro, they figure prominently. And they're all, these fucking philosophers are always yammering on about them, Okay. Um, so for me personally, it would be a sense of survival's guilt in this sense and the ensuing desire to help give life meaning in the presence of such feelings. You know what I mean? To, again, try to honor the fucking legacy of my brother, bro. But also just so I can actually feel inspired to continue living because at the end of the day, all fucking bullshit and, you know, uh, edgy shit, Lord fucking nihilist jokes aside, I do think that life is a fucking gift and that it should be treasured as such. Okay. Now, as I mentioned for me, this generally happens through philosophical reflection. And while Nietzsche is my go-to in these particular instances, I wanted a, I wanted a break from the fucking, from the mustachioed madman, if you will, <laughs> and revisit the work of a philosopher I was covering a couple years back, and that is Heidegger, okay? Now, as a quick refresher, Heidegger is a dude who is concerned with fallenness and authenticity, which I found to be fitting, you know, for me, and hopefully for you at this current moment. Uh, this episode, by the way, I should just qualify it. It isn't intended to be a standalone episode, okay? Because as I've mentioned, I've already done previous podcasts on Heidegger. There are uh, episodes 39 and 40, okay? And the reason why I say that is because if you have listened to them by chance, you'll know that Heidegger is a notoriously dense philosopher who uses his own fucking complicated language that is fucking very particular to the philosophy that he's talking about. So if you haven't listened to that episode 39 and 40, I'm going to be using some of the language that I've already introduced. So, you know, obviously, I'm not trying to insult your talent, your intelligence. You're a smart motherfucker if you're listening to this shit. You know what I mean? Um, but what I'm saying is that if at any point the language that I'm using starts to become a little bit fucking dense, you can always pause and go uh, go back and peep those episodes because I, I introduce all that language there, right? So I'm going to operate for this particular uh, episode from a place of familiarity. I'm just going to assume you're already familiar with the language and take it from there, right? So, yeah, I guess the best place to start then would be the language of existence, okay? Uh, existence here with a Z at the end. Um, 
Yeah, so this fucking existence for Heidegger is this existential idea that I personally find to be of great importance, okay? Uh, and that is the freedom of choice and the recognition of freedom as a whole. This is coming from an existential perspective, but goddamn, bro, this shit parlays to all sorts of other elements of life, specifically now the, obviously the political element, you know what I mean? Um, it spans the gamut from, you know, our own personal responsibility to psyops, homie. And at the core of it is the insistence that we are ultimately in control. Motherfucker psyop, dog. Motherfuck propaganda. That shit only works if we fucking give them our power. The most precious real estate is our brain, okay? And the only way that shit works is if we give them the space available for them to fucking set up shop and start running their game. You know what I mean? And, you know, that, this true. the same is also true from a, a personal experience in terms of like our emotions and shit, right? Obviously, people who are, you know, very emotional, whether it's anger, fear, jealousy, hatred, sadness, depression, the emotions in general, they're fucking easy to control. You know what I mean? So while it's easy to get caught up in this fucking, you know, these pits of, of wallowing, right? These nihilistic despair, these whole these, uh, bottomless pits of fucking nihilistic despair. It's also important to fucking remember that at any moment we have the power to claw ourselves out of these bitches. You know what I mean? They, they, the fucking reptilians over at Illuminati headquarters, trademark, they don't want us to fucking believe this. They don't want us to even know this, okay? Because they understand full well that the game that they're trying to run only fucking operates if we allow them the fucking ability to manipulate us by way of our emotions and setting up shop within our fucking minds. You know what I mean? So I guess the whole point here then was being, for me personally, I was like sitting down and fucking lamenting shit and I was just, you know, in the middle of one of these lazy veg sessions and I was like, yo, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Laying around, vegging on fucking social media for hours on end, watching movies for hours on end is not helping you, okay? If you're fucking sad, do something about it, okay? Sit with the pain, meditate, work through it, etc. No matter what you do, don't fucking avoid it. As painful as it is, you got to fucking work through it. You know what I mean? You're being subjected to a psyop. Who gives a fuck, homie? Educate yourself as to why and how, and then work to overcome it, right? And, um... Although this is a very prominent idea in existential philosophy as a whole, again, given that I'm discussing Heidegger today, uh, it's good to you know qualify by mentioning that in Heideggerian thought, this thought again comes to us. This this whole shit that I just fucking summated for you comes for us through his concept again of existence. Okay, now to be fair, Heidegger's conception of existence is rooted in Kierkegaardian thought. Okay, I've done a I've done a couple of Kierkegaard podcasts in the past. If you want to, you know, if you want to fucking uh, educate yourself on some Kierkegaard, if you, are, if you aren't already familiar with him, I encourage you to go fucking look into them. I'm not sure the exact episodes, but you'll find them something along the lines of like, I don't know, being, no, not being unto death is a Heidegger one. I don't know, man. Some Kierkegaardian shit. You know what I mean? They're there somewhere. Okay. Anyways, uh, in this Kierkegaardian thought, it, it, you know, this root, uh, this uh, uh, Heideggerian concept of existence is rooted in Kierkegaardian thought. Okay. But where he separates those truly existing beings who recognize their possibilities from those quote-unquote men with so-called existence who do not, right? So what I'm trying to say here is that Heidegger, like Kierkegaard, is going to insist that freedom of choice and the recognition of this freedom is the very essence of existence. Now, Heidegger, in his, notori in his notoriously dense way, he's going to want to tell us that the essence of Dasein consists in its existence. So existence then is loosely translated as standing out, okay? 
uh, it's the projection of possibilities, if you will. Uh, this existence itself, it does not have possibilities in the way that like an acorn has the possibility to become an oak tree, for example, but it is its possibilities, right? Now, basically when they're saying that it is its possibilities is that they're going to insist that humans, right, specifically Heidegger for sure, we don't come with a set definition of potentialities. Like it's a fucking free for all. The best thing that we can hope for is that you personally reflect on who you really are as a person and then find the things that you truly value and then work towards fucking manifesting those, right? But this idea that humans come to, come to this motherfucker the same way that an acorn comes with this set pattern of behaviors, the acorn can never be anything but an acorn, okay? That is its fucking, that, that, that is its essence. That is not true for humans, okay? So when we talk about the existence being our possibilities, that's what he's talking about. You can be whatever the fuck you want, dog, right? Now, uh, since Dasein itself is its own possibility, this implies that we should not expect to, you know, uh, we should not expect to find a general set of potentialities or possibilities for human beings. So what I mean by that, again, just to revisit the previous idea, is that Heidegger, he's going to tell us, okay, again, that there is no human nature per se, and that because of that, there is no given human endeavors. This is perhaps one of the more subtle elements of the whole, oh, God is dead shit. You know what I mean? And that is the idea that culture, Western culture itself is predicated. It's, you know, it's fucking grounded in the belief of a Western Christian God. So everything that we do from fucking working nine to five and all that type of shit is grounded specifically in this fucking Protestant Christian God, right? So you get the Protestant work ethic and you ask yourself questions like, why do I got to work nine to five and capitalism and all this bullshit? A lot of it is rooted and the idea that for Protestants, working was a way of homaging, showing homage to their Christian God. You know what I mean? It's the whole idle hands of the devil's playground type shit. If you're fucking sitting around with your fucking dick in your hand, you got a lot of possibility for the devil to enter your life, right? So uh, what he's saying then is like, that, that shit's just fucking, that's just a matter of chance, bro. It could have been any other fucking way as it was before, for instance, the European colonizers stepped foot onto Turtle Island. No, no, capitalism. There was no fucking working nine to five. There was no Christian God. That shit is just one of the many potentialities or possibilities that are available to human beings. Okay. And there's no fucking, it's not an intrinsic fucking part of our existence. Are they? Because again, there's no given human endeavors, right? We're basically to summarize it in a non-philosophically jargonish way. We're, we're riding our own waves, homie. Okay. There is no one correct way to get through this life. Now, in spite of the indefinitely large number of possibilities available to Dasein, our existence, right? These possibilities are based on a single pair of response of possibilities, I should say, right? And that is the possibility of being authentic or winning oneself and the possibility of being inauthentic or losing oneself. The various responsibilities, the very, or rather the various possibilities that are available, they differ in nature, okay? This is, this is a non-issue, right? Whether you choose to be an artist or a businessman, a fucking saint or a revolutionary homie, that's not the issue. Because again, there is no predetermined set of correct human behavior. We're all riding our own fucking wave, right? What is the issue is how we personally engage with these projects, if you will, okay, to use some of the Heideggerian language introduced before, that we choose, these projects that we choose. That's, that's the fucking measure here. You know what I mean? And that is because the possibility of authenticity 
and inauthenticity, according to Heidegger, those are not up for debate, okay? So the best example that I can give you here is like me personally, obviously, if you follow me on the gram and shit, or if you listen to this podcast long enough, you'll know that one of the projects that I have fucking given as part of my existence is jujitsu, right? Uh, and I can tell you sometimes, like, I, for the most part, like 90% of the time, bro, I fucking love jujitsu. I show up eager to fucking learn new moves and choke motherfuckers out, right? Uh, because I'm engaging with it in an authentic manner. But sometimes I get burnt out, bro. I fucking train too much. I got a lot going on in life. And ju- going to jujitsu tends to become a fucking burden. I only do it because I got to thug it out and fucking deal with it. You know what I mean? But uh, I could tell you without fucking any qualm whatsoever that when I do so, I'm engaging with the actions of, of jujitsu with the whole process inauthentically because I'm not approaching it with the correct mindset. You know what I mean? And this is what this is what Heidegger is trying to tell us. You know, it's not about what project you choose. It's how you engage with these fucking projects that determines, right, the quality of our life, which itself is determined by our authenticity or our inauthenticity. Heidegger is going to want to tell us that, you know, these possibilities that I've been talking about, they're essential to Dasein's existence, uh, that they are the very nature, again, of, of, of existence. They are, more succinctly, I should state, the uh, possibilities concerning the manner of Dasein choosing among possibilities in general. This is just a really fancy philosophical way of saying that it's all in our mental approach to the shit we do in life, homie. One of the most important bands that I ever discovered as a youth was Bad Brains. And for a variety of reasons, you know what I mean? Then the fucking bumping, slamming ass music is just one of them. Perhaps the most important one, though, if, you're, if I'm just being completely 100 with you, is the positive mental attitude, right? It was through, you know, the whole hardcore movement in general, but it was through Bad Brains that I was introduced through the, to the, the fucking, the whole school of positive mental attitude, right? The idea that, no matter what life throws at you, you engage with it in a fucking positive mental way, right? So again, this is kind of the idea that Heidegger's trying to get at here, bro. These, these possibilities concerning the manner of Dasein's choosing, you know what I mean? Those are, just, those are just among possibilities in general. There's so many out there for you to choose from that can define your life. It's not about which ones are correct or not, right? It's about how we engage with them mentally, right? We can either have this positive mental attitude about it or not. We can either be committed to it truly, or we can just say that we are, but never really fully engage with them in any real tangible way, right? Like the way I do occasionally with jujitsu. Actually, when I sit and think about it, like this is one of the reasons why I hate Heidegger. That's why I hate reading Heidegger, right? Because he always makes me realize how inauthentic I'm truly am. I don't read Heidegger, dog, when I'm in a good space. Like it's a fucking afterthought. Same way with Nietzsche. I never read Nietzsche when I'm in a good space. You know what I mean? So when I read these motherfuckers, it's because I'm not, I'm vibing very low. You know what I mean? And uh, they helped me realize like, yo, fuck enough, dog, because you don't know if you got 60 more of these years left or fucking 60 days, 60 minutes even. You know what I mean? And you're fucking living this inauthentic life because you're fucking stuck in this negative mental space that has you engaging with the fucking projects that you chose for yourself. I chose these projects for myself to give meaning to your life. And because of that, you're in a very fucking bad place. You're in a very bad way right now, Right. Um, so Heidegger, he comes along and he makes me realize this shit, dog. He makes me realize how, again, me personally, I have like bursts of authenticity, but inevitably, and this is true of everybody, by the way, uh, I'm lulled back. We're lulled back into these states of comfort where we're just going through the motions. And again, just living inauthentically. Me personally, 
One of the things that I do pray for is for the strength, if you will, to be able to remain vigilant and always authentic, bro. But if we're being honest, that's just not possible. It's just not possible. You know what I mean? Um, and that's okay. That's okay, bro. Because even the most vigilant among us, we're bound to get caught up eventually, dog. Heidegger's going to want to tell us. You know what I mean? So the goal is to be aware of this and to snap out of these states of inauthenticity sooner rather than later, even if at all. Some motherfuckers, we fall into these states of fallenness, dog. And even though we were very hypervigilant about them before, some shit like catastrophically can happen, such as the death of a loved one in your family. And that's it, bro. There's no snapping back if you're not on your fucking one, two. You know what I mean? So specifically then what Heidegger is going to want to tell us is that, you know, authenticity is the explicit and honest recognition of the necessity of making choices, okay? This is authenticity. While the refusal to recognize one's choices as our own, in turn, is in authenticity, okay? So it's like, it's easy to blame, if you will, all the shitty things happening in our life on external circumstances. And in some instances, bro, we may be justified in doing so, right? But again, honestly, we got to consider to ourselves how much of this is further amplified by our own shitty choices and the way that we're approaching it mentally, right? Whether it's our health and diet, the latest PSYOP we're dealing with, it's all the same, bro. The fucking the, the passing of a loved one is the same shit, right? It's easy to approach these issues in a disempowered way where we castigate, where we castigate if you will, ourselves to the role of Victims, bro. Victims of circumstance, okay? But ultimately, this is inauthentic, yo, because the power ultimately always resides with us. You know what I mean? So in this particular sense, then, like when I was talking about my brother, the idea is like, there's nothing I can do about that. That is just the facticity. We'll talk about it here shortly uh, in more detail, the facticity. But that is just the fucking harsh truth of reality for now. You know what I mean? My brother's dead, Okay. Uh, there's no, there, I can't take that back. There's nothing I can do that's going to change that. You know what I mean? And I can sit around and fucking mope about it all day. That's not going to fix anything, right? Ultimately, I alone have the power to be able to fucking not overcome it because that's not something you, you fucking ever overcome, but to learn how to deal with it in a more healthy way. And the only way I'm going to be able to do so is by approaching it with a positive attitude. I can sit here and fucking lament his death and his passing. You're like, oh, it's not fair, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Or I can just accept it for what it is and just keep it moving, dog, in a positive way, in a way that says, you know what, I'm going to get through this in the best way that I possibly can, right? So again, to that end, I'll just re I'll reiterate for existence. This existence is understood as possibility, right? And uh, the only possibility not available to mankind is to give up possibilities, Heidegger's going to want to tell us. It's like one of those fucking little conundrums. You can't imagine a tree that doesn't exist type deals. Same fucking issue for Heidegger here, right? It's going to tell us you can't give up the fact that you have possibilities, bro. It's part and parcel of being a human being. The choice is always our, or, or rather, the choice is always ours, right? Again, insisting on that fucking radical freedom type shit. He's going to want to tell us, Heidegger is, that existence is also defined as, and bear with me here because obviously I don't speak German, but the word is Seinkonen, Seinkonen, right? Sign and then Konen, two ends, right? Or just in English, the possibility of being or not being our own self, right? Existence, we're told, is the possibility and necessity of choosing oneself, 
of formulating a conception of oneself and a set of projects, goals, and values for oneself, right? So to say that Dasein is their existence then, existence rather, is to say that to be human is to have free choices. Again, I just cannot continue to emphasize the importance of fucking freedom here, bro. Owning our fucking choices, right? For better or for worse, no matter what, understand that it's always in our fucking power to do so, right? To say that man is his possibilities or freedom in turn is to stress the radical difference between Dasein and every other sort of being, bro, which brings me right back to the importance of freedom. And this whole thing about separating Dasein from every other existing being it's going to become very, it's going to become very prominent at the end, bro. So bookmark that thought for now. Okay. But, um, for now we're going to, re- I'm going to continue to fucking focus on the importance of freedom, right? Uh, specifically by, you know, uh, situating it again in the Western Christian or scientific reductive world that we're living in, right? Because freedom of choice and action, they're intimately intertwined with moral considerations, which if we've learned anything from the existential philosophers that I've discussed so far, it should probably be that well, there's a lot of things, okay? But one of the things is that when it comes to morality, it's more about the quality of life that we're living so much as with the way that we engage with one another, right? So in this particular sense, the morality, it's a fucking, it's a moral responsibility that we have to fucking, you know, live meaningful lives, authentic lives, right? And uh, we're trying to do this in fucking being situated within a Western Christian and scientific reductive world, right? That's going to want to tell us that, we don't have freedom and we don't have freedom of choice, right? Um, so yeah, the basic idea here to reiterate is that, you know, without free will, we can't be held morally accountable, which is terrible on multiple fronts. I've discussed it before, but the basic idea here is that with God and science, bro, both God and science, free will is not possible on pain of either theosity in terms of the former, right? And because we live in a reductive material world that can be explained mathematically, including our every actions in the case of the latter, right? So if this is the case, ideally, we're going to want to say, well, what's the point of even bothering? Because all my actions are clearly fucking predetermined. There's nothing I can do to change that, right? As far as Heidegger is concerned, and a lot of the other existential philosophers, though, this is just simply not true, bro, okay? We have the fucking freedom at every moment. We can never let go of that assertion, right? And perhaps more importantly, as far as Heidegger is concerned, he isn't so much concerned with freedom of action so much as he is concerned with freedom of choice, right? Because to be itself, if you will, to use his terminology, to decide existence by taking hold, to choose one's own possibilities, that is to live authentically, right? Conversely, to not do so, to not have chosen our own possibilities, got oneself into them or simply grown up in them, if you will, you know, to neglect one's own existence, that is to live authentically, inauthentically rather. And if we're being honest, that is pretty much what the majority of us by default, right? We're fucking kids, bro. We don't understand what the fuck is going on. Doesn't mean we don't have a chance or a choice to fucking change it. But most of us, we're just fucking exist given the possibilities that have been bestowed upon us, the ones that we've grown up in, right? It's called socialization, essentially. That is a socialization process, I should say. The point is that, you know, to be able to recognize this and learn to overcome the parts that aren't conducive to us living authentically, right? Anyways, Heidegger is going to want to tell us, bro, that to exist then is to make decisions and choices. Like that is existence, bro. Not this fucking passive shit 
where we just allow ourselves to be blown like a tumbleweed in the wind in the direction that the fucking powers that be, the masters of mankind decide. Like, that's not an existence, bro, okay? To exist is to make decisions and choices. So to that end, the question, who am I, according to Heidegger, it can never be answered except through a decision as to what I intend to make myself. It's not about what, who am I, like finding your own inner essence. It's about fucking asking yourself, what am I going to become? What am I going to make of myself, right? This created self, according to Heidegger, it exists on a horizon, okay, where the possibilities that we can engage in range from the possibilities of experience to the possibilities of knowing, actions, moods, attitudes, feelings, and so on. These possibilities simply are possible structures of being in the world. This is, very, this is that fucking Heideggerian language that I was talking about, right? So if, you, if you're like, what the fuck is this food talking about? Again, episode 39 and 40, right? Um, again, these possibilities are the possible structures of being in the world. And they are possible simply by virtue of the fact that they can be conceived of by Dasein. Like, if we can think it, this shit is possible, bro. More importantly, if it's been done before, it could be done again, right? Um, so that's basically the idea that he's getting at here, right? Uh, and one's conception of the world on, you know, and one's conception of ourselves, Heidegger's going to want to tell us, they're inseparable. They're fundamentally one and the same, right? And these conceptions themselves, they are our possibilities. So if you're living in this fucking black pill, depressed world, bro, that's the only possible outlets that will be available to you at any given moment. You know what I mean? So you want to fucking expand your world? You got to expand your fucking conception of what is possible. You know what I mean? So the he's going to want to tell us, Heidegger, that the existential structure of the world that Dasein finds itself living in, it's being in the world, if you will, to use some more of that Heideggerian language, is what he refers to as our facticity. Now, unlike our existence, our facticity is not chosen by us. It's not chosen by Dasein. So that's just a, a fucking philosophical way of saying that we don't just find ourselves thrown into any world, okay? We're thrown into a very fucking specific ready-made world, such as the one that we're living in here, the 21st century, whether it be in America, Mexico, Europe, whatever, right? We are born of a given set of parents and this particular body into these particular social environments and so on. That's all shit that we don't choose, right? Our facticity. We cannot choose this, Okay. This is going to be the equivalent of what he's going to call our throneness or our Geworfenheit in German. Right? And we'll talk about this here a little bit more shortly. But for now, what he's going to want to tell us is that our entire past is our, is our facticity, okay? As it's the set of facts which we have no choices about anymore. The past is gone, homie. You can't change that anymore. You know what I mean? And because of that, there's no choices to be made about it. Uh, he's also going to want to tell us that our bodily presence in the world, that this is part of our facticity. Because, you know, we can use it to leave this place, this country, this fucking planet even, if we're fucking fortunate enough to do so. But we are always fundamentally stuck within our bodies, with this body. You know what I mean? So that's also another facticity. You cannot change this. Maybe one day when the fucking metaverse and all the fucking consciousness downloading into robots takes place. But for now, this is us, homie. Right? We up in this bitch, in this bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, moreover... He's going to want to tell us that our facticity is the set of all quote-unquote givens, which we will encounter in our existence. We are not, however, determined to react or respond to these givens in a predetermined form. Because again, 
Freedom, including freedom of choice, is paramount in existential philosophy. So yeah, like you may be hardwired or have even developed particular ways of reacting in certain situations. Shout out to the Fresh Prince bitch slapping Chris Rock again, right? But these are not fixed, okay? And they're let alone not determined and they can be changed, bro, for better or worse. That might have been the way that you were programmed to fucking slap people who were fucking making fun of you. If you ask me personally, probably not the best way to fucking engage in it, not because bitch slapping people who deserve it is not the correct thing to do, but because when you're in a capping session and you fucking get upset and you physically assault someone, that just lets everyone know that you fucking lost, basically, right? If someone can get a rise out of you where you feel the need to fucking put hands on them, you just couldn't take the heat is what it boils down to. You know what I mean? You can change that. You can change that. You can fucking get clowned on enough where you say, you know what? I'm getting clowned on. And it is what it is. Like, it's part of the process. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I, I'm going to take it for what it is. Okay. Or you can fucking devolve worse and st- go from fucking smacking people to fucking capping people, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, it's not fixed in any particular way. Whatever the case, Heidegger's going to tell us that our existence always forces us to choose our own attitudes and projects concerning the givens in our life. So again, yeah, we find ourselves in this body and we can in turn choose to either worship it or degrade it. We can choose to treat it as a quote unquote curious thing or to use it as a tool for spiritual enlightenment. The point being here that the choice is always ours, okay? And the same holds true about our lived conditions. Just because we were born in the hood, dog, doesn't mean that we have to stay here, homie. And, you know, just because you were born in the burbs doesn't mean that you'll stay there either. You know what I mean? How many motherfuckers uh, from the hood get one come up and they're fucking gone from this bitch forever? And conversely, how many motherfuckers from the burb from the burbs get one fucking cocaine addiction and end up on the fucking streets? Like, it happens all the time, right? Um, conversely, we can choose to ignore both and live a life with absolutely no regard to the effect socioeconomic factors have on our lives, Right? That choice is also ours because, again, it's our attitudes, right? Our attitudes and plans for confronting these circumstances that are always undetermined by anything except for us, right? What Heidegger is going to want to tell us is that these choices, they're further facilitated by our, quote unquote, being tuned, being tuned into the moods we experience, right? Finding ourselves in the world. For me personally, this is the part where when I was fucking working through this, right? I'm, I'm almost near, I'm almost near the end of this bitch, right? And uh, when I was working through this, this is where it really started to hit. Like I'm, I'm choosing this. I'm choosing to respond to the death of my fucking brother in a in, from from a negative perspective. It's a shitty situation. Don't get me twisted. I'm not trying to dismiss it in any way, shape, or form. But me engaging with it in a fucking in a low vibing state with a terrible mental attitude is not helping anyone, bro. That was the mood that I was in. And I had to recognize that mood because that mood is how I fucking navigate the world. And, you know, the goal is to try to, you know, it, being in tune, being tuned is not about fucking uh, uh, changing our mood, if you will, necessarily to from a negative one to a better one. So much as it is being aware of the various moods that, we're, that we have for engaging with the world, right? The most prominent example that I can give you is going back to the very beginning of the podcast, sitting with the pain, for instance. That is a mood in which we engage with the world. Pain. It's there for a reason, okay? Pain isn't... Everything in our existence is there for one reason or another, okay? We've been socialized in such a way to fucking view pain negatively, okay? But it's just... I don't personally think that that's true, okay? Again, pain is a good thing. It lets you know something is fucking wrong, bro. 
But if you're not in tune, you know what I mean? If you're not if you're not being tuned to your fucking moods and shit, it's very easy to fucking dismiss that feeling of pain and then get caught up in this fucking cycle where we're, you know, uh, ignoring it by way of, you know, these self-destructive patterns of behavior like social media, mass social media consumption, watching fucking movies all day, sleeping and shit. And then that becomes our default mode of living. And the next thing you know, like the pain is still fucking there. But you're so caught up in this cycle that you literally can't even recognize it because you're not tuned into your own fucking emotional state. You know what I mean? So in this sense, then mood, again, is a product of being tuned into, if you will, everyday routine. So, you know what I mean? Like this is this is a (laughs) for Heidegger, right? It's not a continuous experience, bro. It's not a continue this mood, uh, a continuous experience that is felt at all times. And it ain't, it ain't even a particular uh, exciting one that arises from the famous existential traumas, if you will, of other philosophers. Rather, again, this mood is a product of being tuned to the everyday routine. So, you know, when it comes to trying to understand how this mood works, rather than thinking again of the, the grand trauma of a near-death experience, for instance, right, that wakes us up from our state of fallenness, as is so commonly told, mood is better expressed by... The dreary nine to five life on a rainy Monday morning. Okay, very poetic way of expressing it. For Heidegger, it's this dreariness of everyday existence that he's concerned with. Okay, an essential structure of Dasein that he refers to as fallenness, which is the tendency to experience life as a burden that has been foisted upon us. The state of fallenness is the tendency to experience life as a burden that has been foisted upon us. So again, this is where I have me personally found myself recently and I'm actively working to try and overcome it, bro. My brother, he loved life. And so in an effort to honor his memory, I'm trying to shake myself out of my own state of fallenness to live for him and myself, bro, to appreciate the fact that I'm able to still be here up in this bitch, okay? Because after it's all said and done, I know he'd be very upset to find out that I'm not, that I'm living in this fucking dreary state where I don't appreciate life as a gift, but instead I'm fucking approaching it as a burden that's been foisted upon me. So again, uh, there's a wide range of moods for Heidegger, bro. And even though he focuses heavily on the dreariness, mood ranges, again, in scope from boredom and ennui, okay, to the occasional outbursts of joy that we feel towards the world as a whole. Okay, like me personally right now in response to all the amazing memes coming in light of the fucking bitch slap heard around the world. You know what I mean? Like this fucking these moves, they range from all sorts of shit, dog. Um, And, you know, these moves that we have, they're everything, homie. Heidegger's going to want to tell us they're everything because our general mood is what discloses to us our being in the world, our facticity. Right. So. uh, A good way to explain this for me personally is that like lately my mood has been very somber. And in turn, because of that, I've interfaced with reality in such a way because of it. That's why I didn't want to drop these fucking podcasts, uh, this episode sooner. You know what I mean? I was fucking interfacing with reality in a very fucking depressed, low vibing mood, if you will. And I didn't just not want to be, I didn't, I didn't want that to be the fucking, the tone. You know what I mean? So yeah, like. When it comes to these moon dogs, they, they're disclosing to us. If we're, if we're in tune with our moods, they will reveal to us like, hey, dog, this is the way you're engaging with the world right now for better or worse. Just be aware of it. You know, be, have the emotional intelligence to know where the fuck you're at, how the fuck you got here, how the fuck to get out. You know what I mean? Because 
if if you don't, this will be the way that you continue to engage with reality for the rest of your life. And if you're not fucking happy because of the way you're doing so now, nothing except for you is going to change that ever. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, when it comes to this mood in particular, then the idea is not about faking the funk, dog, right? Because that's inauthentic. Rather, it's about dealing with all the reasons why I'm feeling fucking such, uh, such type of way, right? And then working back to getting to a more sunny disposition, if you will, <laughs> okay? Uh, sunny disposition towards life, uh, you know, with the newfound knowledge that we've gained from the emotional suffering inherent with something like the loss of a loved one, right? The other option, of course, is, again, just to not do anything about it. And by proxy, choose, because by not doing anything, we're choosing to not do anything, right? Uh, choose to live the rest of our lives in this fucking, my life in this particular case, in a somber, unhappy state because of it, right? So yeah, uh, for Heidegger, as for Kierkegaard, the most important mood is dread, or specifically angst, okay? That's, that's the language that he uses, Heidegger, angst. But it's dread, homie, okay? And like the mood of boredom, we're told that dread exposes to us the concrete reality of our being. It's important to note that dread is not fear of any one particular object or even of a possible future, but rather it is the fear of nothing. So Heidegger is going to want to tell us that it is this experience which reveals to us our existence, okay? How we are fucking existing up in this bitch, basically. Heidegger tells us that although existence and fallenness are both fundamentally a priori, right, before experience, they're, they're, you know, a priori capabilities of Dasein, we rarely come to grips with our existence, homie, yet nearly always fall into the temptations of fallenness, right? So what that means basically is that man, you know what I mean, humans in general, to, to be completely inclusive, uh, in our everyday, in our average everydayness, this is in a state of fallenness, Okay. And Heidegger tells us that when we are caught up with the petty tasks and concerns of everyday life and we spare no time for reflection on our existence, that's just the state of fallenness, bro, the average everydayness, okay? This fallen existence, he's going to tell us, is the core of an inauthentic life. And that since most of us exist in this space in general, right, man's, again, humans, primitive, quote unquote, attitude towards the world is neither authentic, you know, authentic in the sense that we explicitly recognize our existence, but it's also not necessarily inauthentic either. Again, which again is the, you know, the refusal to come to terms with our, with our existence. Instead, he tells us our primitive mode of being is this undifferentiated primitive everydayness, right? Again, a complete, an unreflective life is not worth living type shit, right? This undifferentiated everydayness, Heidegger tells us, is characterized by the fact that it is by nature unreflected. It's not, you don't ever take a moment to sit back and consider who you are, where you came from, where you're going, etc. Right? You're just going through the motions and you're, again, wherever the fucking winds may take you type shit, right? And he tells us that we have not yet raised the question of being nor considered our own possibilities. And because of that, we're stuck in this fucking average everydayness where we do not define ourselves uniquely, but instead we define ourselves as part of the public, which again is fucking terrible because not only do the massive men live lives of quiet desperation, right? 
type shit. That's not Heidegger. That's Kierkegaard, right? This general sentiment, like you're gonna, why would you want to identify with a bunch of people who are fucking massively depressed type shit, right? Um, but because, but also because most of us are fucking bitch ass weak slaves who, again, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, we're holding up facades to deal with the responsibility of life and so on, right? To avoid rather dealing with the responsibilities of life and so on, right? Heidegger tells us that, you know, man, human, right? in this primitive state, defines himself or, you know, perhaps better stated, allows himself to be defined in terms of a general concept of, quote unquote, men together or mitzayim, to use a Heideggerian language, right? In which every man is a manifestation of average man or just man in general, right? Heidegger tells us that this is das man, okay? And what Dasman is, is an undifferentiated man who is not yet real, as in authentic, a real human, an authentic human being, but neither are they an inauthentic human being. They're just, it's like, that's the default state, right? And this itself is going to go off into Heidegger's views on the primitive nature of being in the world, right? In terms of the totality of equipment in the world of everyday purpose, Right which is just a really fancy philosophical way of saying that you ain't any different from a hammer in the world that's being used by someone else to build they shit up, basically, right? This is the default mode for many people, this fucking state, where you're, again, this is what I was talking about in the beginning when I said we'll circle all the way back around at the end. This is what I'm talking about. We live this fucking Das Mon type life where you, yourself, me, myself as an individual who is neither authentic nor inauthentic, it's our default mode of being in this bitch, Right? Where our default mode of being is that you're just a tool. Like you're, there's no difference between you and a hammer. You're just another fucking tool here in this world to be used uh, accordingly, right? And um, yeah, I want to end it here, yo, because this is a perfect segue for some shit that I've actually been wanting to talk about for a while now, and that is human capital. So in this next episode, I'm gonna pick up on the human capital, and it's gonna be grounded specifically on this fucking episode, right? Uh, for now, just like a quick looking forward. This human capital shit, you know, it's in the wake of, you know, the ongoing pandemic, but specifically it's really taken, a, it's really added an, a, a, another level short uh, recently with fucking Klaus the anal swab, right? His homies specifically talking about turning humans into capital, right? Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I forget this fucking dude's name, right? He's fucking one of Klaus Schwab's advisors uh, from the IMF, okay? And uh, World Economic Forum, sorry. And the basic idea is that he was on his fucking, uh, uh, he was doing, he was being interviewed and he starts talking about how humans are, you know, how, how they become hackable animals and the idea of free will is fucking non-existent now, right? Non-existent. So I want to stop with the Heideggerian shit there because that's, or that's, I'm going to fucking delve all into that kind of shit. And that's because that's, that's what he's saying, right? That's the average default mode is where, you know, you can be just nothing more than a tool, which is exactly what fucking Anal Schwab wants and his homies want, Right. They don't want humans with fucking free will and choice and the ability to fucking make our own decisions. They want to be able to fucking control and use us the way a fucking carpenter uses a hammer to build whatever the fuck that is that they're building. For fucking Klaus Schwab and company, they're building a fucking new world for themselves where we are going to be the fucking cattle that essentially keeps it fucking lifted up, which is why that idea of them hacking us and turning us into fucking, you know, mindless zombies essentially is fucking so terrifying, right? So again, like you already know the shit I'm going to talk about then, but where I'm going to flip the script again is in this Heideggerian existential lens when the argument is made that like 
Obviously, I disagree with what the fuck Klaus Schwab is doing and his homies are doing. You know what I mean? But I'm going to add the existential lens to it and say like, yo, if you choose to be this DOS man type motherfucker, you know, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary, then that's on you, homie. Because honestly, at the end of the day, we can't save anyone but ourselves. Okay? Like they're literally openly telling us what they think, that they think that we're nothing more than fucking hackable animals. Okay? That can, you know, be, you know, hacked to do their bidding. And, you know, we're trying to tell motherfuckers like, yo, these people that you're fucking holding up to be these saviors, they're, you know, they're not looking out in your best interest. But, you know, we keep getting shrugged off and fucking uh, uh, degraded as unhinged conspiratorial, uh, conspiratorial fucking fuckheads. You know what I mean? To which, you know, at the end of the day, the only power that we have at that point is just fucking shrug it off and say, all right, man, cool. Like, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Uh, not because we don't care, but because in order, you know, to begin to understand what that means and all that it entails... You have to first go through this Heideggerian process of shaking ourselves out of the state of fallenness first. From moving from this fucking Dasman to a more either authentic or inauthentic life. You know what I mean? Because if not, you know, we'll just remain in, if you will, the practical world in which people are nothing more than fucking casual relate or causal rather relationships and substance. Or are not rather causal relationships and substance, but just tools that are there to fucking be used to get jobs done. Tools that are there to build shit. You know what I mean? In this case, fucking whether it's a house or a fucking whole ass new world, right? And yeah, it's about as good a point as any to fucking wrap this bitch up. I hope you all enjoy it, and I'll see you next time. Hope you have a great rest of your day, night, afternoon, whatever the fuck morning it is that you're listening to this, and yeah, I'll see you next time. Peace.